Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time with Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. Here's a headline to give you a sense what's going on in the world today. A headline from uh, the Sun-Times, my beloved Bright One Home delivered as always. This is on a uh, sports column by Rick Morrissey. Jim and Crow. Jim and Crow. Sometimes getting creative with their headlines. Jim and Crow. Uh, I wanted Harbaugh for Bears, but I also recognize the plight of black coaches in the NFL. It's a story about Brian Flores, the Miami Dolphins coach, the former coach of the Miami Dolphins, who was unceremoniously fired from his position, uh, has not been hired anywhere else, at least at this time, and has filed a massive suit uh, against the NFL for discrimination. Man, I read that suit. We're going to have a full discussion on this coming up. I'm, I, I'm not going to Unless the conversation comes up with my distinguished guest, probably won't address it now. But I, this is um, this is like burning a hole in my brain. And I just opened up the paper, and there was the headline. Uh, much uh, I'm sending out good vibes to Brian Flores. What a gutsy guy! All right. Anyway, uh, moving on uh, as I do with all uh, my uh, interviews, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. So, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Thanks, Ben. Uh, my name's Leroy Gordon. I know Ben from a long time ago when I was just a wee one. One of my first coaches in anything, I think maybe soccer, definitely basketball, hung out for football, uh, like a lot of stuff. You you got me into it. You got me into it. Uh, but yeah, currently I am a fitness coach, but also a budding mindset coach, uh, building my business here uh, remotely, but uh, spending most of my days uh, getting people's bodies up, training them up former professional wrestler, former police officer, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, purple belt, and happy to talk about all that stuff and kind of how it landed me where I am today. But uh, Ben, I got I to gotta say, you you really sparked something in me to kind of get me on this path too. So I don't know if you know that, but but you did. I, I, I was not aware of that. Uh, I will take all the credit if, uh, <laughs> uh, if there's credit to be given. And uh I was going to say, you you beat, you scooped me, uh, Leroy. I didn't know if you were going to go back in time, but I've known this gentleman. Uh, he's a young man now. He's an adult. But I've known him, ladies and gentlemen. When I first met this guy, 
He was in, let me do it right, Leroy, third grade, ladies and gentlemen, third grade, maybe even second grade. I can't remember. And, and I coached every sport uh, at the school he went to. And he would be eyeing like a little kid looking into a cafeteria to see the cake. And he wasn't old enough to get at the cake, but he was waiting for his moment to get to the cake. And finally, I remember you coming up, oh, can I play, coach? <laughs> I go, All right, Leroy, you're old enough. And what a great, what a, I'm just speaking from my heart here. He's just a great kid. He's a, I mean, that was a kid. I'm talking about the, the sixth grader that I coached. And here's what I coached you in, Leroy. I coached you in flag football. I coached you in basketball, and I coached you in track. This guy, ladies and gentlemen, was a great runner, okay? I'm going to throw him some love because he brought uh, that little grammar school of ours a championship. And uh, so great times. Every Any sport I coached, uh, Leroy Gordon played on it. So it's a, it's a great to see you doing so well. And I've been following your, uh, your like, spiritual journey, and I, I view you as a how do I put this, Leroy? Like a stereotype breaker. And let's talk about this because you you already talked. So you started off football. You were a football player in high school, went to Peyton. You were the quarterback of the Peyton football team. I saw you play a couple high school games. Uh, you went on to college. Uh, then you got into, uh, like you said, jujitsu. So all of a sudden you're a mixed martial arts guy. Then all of a sudden, you're a Chicago police officer. I'm like, what the hell? What happened there? And then all of a sudden you left the force. You're a wrestler in Canada. And now you're like just doing like this holistic approach to fitness, mental health, everything together. Uh, and I'm like, damn, Leroy, you're, you're really on like this process of evolution and constantly change. And I applaud you for doing that. Uh, so let's just like break it down every step of your journey. All right, if you will. And I don't know where you want to start. Really intrigued with uh, the start as a police officer. So uh, if you want to go before that and talk about what led to you being a police officer, that's cool. But the floor is open to you. What uh, led you to want to become a Chicago police officer? Yeah, man. I um, So Chicago police, that became an opportunity available. Mm, maybe a... When I was around 21, 22, I just saw the test was was being had, and I, I knew that I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And I feel like police officers is one of those things when you're a little kid, it's like a doctor, police officer, firefighter, like those kind of things. Um, just kind of like a quote unquote reasonable job, at least back then it seemed like one. And, um, when I saw the test was available, I was just like, Oh hell yeah, I'll sign up for the test and I'll see where I am in life when the, you know, the test comes or when they, you know, they pull my number and, and start to call me in. And, um, I, I'll share a little bit about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and what, what that meant for me, um, you know, coming up and coming up through sports and as a young black man, just kind of growing, you saw a lot of your value was your ability to perform a sport. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of young men have used that as, as their way up and out of the hood and into a better life. And, um, you know, definitely grew obsessed with, with that, especially playing football and stuff. And that was my big, my first like big thing that I really fell in love with and, and wanted to do. And when that was gone, it's like, well, what do I do with my body now? Like that can't be it. Like how else do I like, reach fame and fortune and uh, notoriety. And um, I, I kind of 
always had professional wrestling in my heart and I and we'll come back to that. But I had the story about professional wrestling being just too unreasonable or like too phony or like not legit enough. And what will people think? That's a big part of my story, but it landed me on going to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because it was real, you know, and uh, you know, maybe one day I'll be a mixed martial artist, UFC and, and try to fight for real. But right now I'll start with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I spent five years there, became a purple belt, which is the third belt. Um, it takes about, four to five years to get to that belt. And um, I actually just restarted jujitsu last weekend on the day we actually talked. And, uh, you know, I was going through my jujitsu journey and found myself at a point of burnout, maybe about four years in. I did it maybe every day and was extremely competitive and very successful competing uh, at that level. And it just, one, one day I just woke up and maybe it wasn't one day, but it happened like gradually. I was just like, this ain't it. Like, this is not enough. And there's, there's something missing here. And I, I had really grown obsessed with like kind of mindset. I didn't know it was mindset at the time, but like, like just like, like badass mindset, like no bullshit mindset, like being on the grind kind of mindset and got into a lot of like, like reading like Navy SEAL books and stuff like that and, and learning from guys like that. And like felt just this call within me. And that call didn't lead to the police, the, the police force. It led to me almost going to the Navy, like legit. Like I was in the office. I was signing pieces of paper. They were like, all right, go take the test. And like, you got to do X amount um, to get to Navy SEAL test and, and go, go, go do it. And I was like, fuck yeah. And he went, took the test. I scored as high as you can on like everything that was important except like one little subsection for the Navy SEALs. And I'm like, Oh yeah, no, no, I'm going to retake the test so I can do it. And it's really funny. And I feel so blessed that this happened to me, but the recruiter just like disappeared, just like fell off the face of the earth. Like I texted him multiple times. He never texted me back. And I'm just like, how did that happen? Like they were like, Oh yeah, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. We're sending offers to training school. I'm like, no Navy SEALs. I need to try for Navy SEALs. And I don't know if you know this, but if you, Try for the Navy SEALs and you fail, you get like the automatically go to the the, the the bottom of the ranks. And I don't know if he was just like, no, this guy's like, he does not need to be here for this. Or I, I had a mentor at the time that I always like in my head, like he went to the office and was like, no, not this kid. Like, don't even just pretend like he doesn't exist. Like get somebody else. Um, but I mean, he disappeared. and I was like, well, damn, that was like my way out of here. Th that was it. Like I have this this thing inside of me, clearly I have this call that I need to answer and it's not happening. And, um, I was like, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'm going to like do this police thing. And that's when the test rolled around and I took it. And, uh, at, at that time I was like, all right, you passed the test. You're number 10,562. We'll call you in that order. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, well, how long is that even? Like, and that took about a couple of years. So I just kept on keeping on with uh, jujitsu and it, it kind of, you know, had its up and ups and downs. I kept competing and, you know, trying to find some happiness in it. And uh, around that time um, is when I kind of got the epiphany about professional wrestling and um, how I had always wanted to do that since I was a kid and how it's absurd that I've kind of told the story to myself that you cannot do this professional wrestling thing because what would people think of it? And um, I really saw myself in like just the depths of not being fulfilled 
and putting so much energy and soul and my body into something that I did love and, you know, had a level of fulfillment and a level of empowerment for me, but it just wasn't it. And that uh, one day I was just like, I, I need to figure out how I can make this wrestling thing happen and um, go into depth with that later on. But in short, it led me to, all right, why can't I wrestle? Um, I'm too small or like people don't find me interesting or I don't know what I'm doing. Like, is there even a school around here? And it's just really simple questions when it comes down to it. But it, it didn't seem that simple when I'm like in this, this like fear around like people's thoughts and rejection, et cetera. And uh, I very much stand for like helping people out of that place. Uh, and the answers are very simple. I'm going to eat more. I'm going to lift more. And I'm going to find a damn school to go learn to wrestle. If I have to move to do it, I'll do that. I'll find the money. I'll, I'll grind and figure it out. And um, that things really lined up. And I, I took about a year. I was like, I need to finish college first. I'll finish college. Um, and then I'll start wrestling school. And I did. And the rest is kind of history on, on that. And there's a lot of lot of shit with wrestling. But I January of 2014, I started. And I went to the school. And it was like smaller than the room I'm in now. Maybe not. But like it's just like a, it's a box. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny room. It has enough room for the the ring and a few, few chairs. And like, we'd be in there like cracker box. And the first time I got in the ring and took my first fall, I was like, yo, this is it. This is everything right here. I'm so happy I'm here. And I don't know when I'm going to get anywhere in this. Cause it, it <laughs> like, even going back to that, I was like, felt like small, so small. And I eventually felt very big in that world. And about, I'd say, yeah, early in that year, then it's like, all right, come and take this test. I'm going to take that test. Take, come and take this test for the uh, Chicago police thing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm pursuing wrestling and uh, I'll get to Chicago. I'll go a police job and it's going to help me pay for whatever. I'll get to, you know, move on with normal life and, and pursue wrestling. And hopefully, you know, they don't interfere. Uh, but I, I went to the academy uh, maybe November. Yeah, I think November of 2015. Or November 2014. So wrestling started 2014. So beginning 2014, academy towards the end of 2014. And uh, I, it's like a nine to five job. I didn't know what to expect. I remember first day, scared of shit, and just a lot of yelling and <laughs> craziness. Like, you know, very much uh, close to a military, what you might imagine a military, like boot camp experiences. And it, it tapered off to become more like a, a high school experience. <laughs> like, uh, I, I definitely related more to high school than anything. And uh, the police academy, in a, in a lot of ways, yeah. yeah, police academy, police academy. In a lot of ways, that you know caused me concern to even think about right now. Um, but yeah, I was in police academy. Uh, academy was about six months long. Uh, spent about four months on the streets before I realized that um, it was greatly hampering what I could do in professional wrestling. Uh, you know, the academy itself was like a nine to five job and that was easy, easy peasy. Um, you know, I missed a few practices during the time, but the weekends is the most important Fridays and weekends, which where we can go and do shows, um, you know, hit the road, travel to go do shows elsewhere. And I definitely saw it as a limitation, um, eventually, but it was like, okay, if I have Friday and Saturday, I don't need to be on the road Sunday. Like I can make it work. And once I get out, then hours go all over the fucking place. And it was, became quickly apparent that nights and weekends for a rookie cop 
you're working nights and weekends uh, for the most part. And it just, it became really challenging and you have X amount of time off that you kind of accumulate and it has to get approved. And like, I had a decent amount from kind of the jobs that we had done so far, but like it was dwindling fast. I'm like, yo, I'm going to be out of out, off time. And then, then what, you know? And, um, that, that really, even before it started to happen, like just this thing about my freedom and being able to move as I'd like, um, definitely clamped down on me. But more importantly, it was, uh, like this dream of professional wrestling, like, Yo, I've, I've suffered like emotionally to to be able to do this thing. I've left like my jujitsu like life and friends like big time. Like I completely changed lives uh, to go and do wrestling, and now I'm doing this job that I think what I mistake for like this calling to go like have adventure or be a hero or whatever that's answered by wrestling. And what I my potential in wrestling is so much greater than what my potential in policing is. I'm just gonna be a a cop, you know, working the streets and maybe one day growing bitter and angry about, you know, the system or something like that. You know, I was just like, if I had to pick one, it's very easily wrestling is it. And All right, um, now, let me, let yeah. me break this down a little bit, uh, because, uh, I'm going to start with the police and we'll go to wrestling. You started, uh, the Academy. I did, I, I wrote this down roughly the same time that, uh, Jason Van Dyke shot Laquan McDonald. All right. And uh, that first year or so when you're in the academy and then when you, you got the job was the time when that story was unfolding, like a narrative that was unfolding, that culminating with the release uh, uh, by Mayor Rahm, Rahm Emanuel kicking and screaming the whole time, only under a judge's order. I always feel compelled to, to put that out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's a political talk show. Uh, and um, changed, to put it mildly. Uh, the dynamic uh, of many uh, black kids toward the cops. I mean, just like the notion, I don't think Leroy Gordon, if you were a high school kid in November of 2015, if you were a high school senior, would have the same attitude about the Chicago police uh, and the uh, uh, being having a career with the Chicago police as you had coming out of high school whenever you, did 2012, whatever. I can't remember exactly. No, you're a little older than that. 2008, whatever. So um, talk about that. I mean, uh, that's a very changed dynamic. You know, I mean, police brutality has been around forever. I'm not saying it just began with Laquan McDonald, but I don't know if it was in the consciousness of young kids like yourself circa 2008, like it is for kids right now. Talk about that, Leroy. Yes, yes. Um, man. Man, 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 the complexities of it. I think um, a lot of the time in the academy, I was like, yo, this is my experience and what's going on outside of, you know, me learning how to be a good police officer, um, you know, is not, you know, I know there's bullshit out in the streets right now and I'm, I'm learning how to be a good police officer here and I'm going to learn how to do shit right. And, uh, it's so funny. My first night on the streets, um, after like, you know, there's, we spent some time doing some bullshit stuff. And then my first night on the streets for real, <laughs> I witnessed a guy toss a dude in the chokehold, whip him down to the ground, completely, completely unnecessary. It was like the guy, maybe a little bit belligerent, but the use of force that I saw was like, yo, 
I'm fresh out of the academy. I'm like, I know that's not right. I know that is not right what you just did. And I just, it, I, I certainly was very aware, like this, the, the, the level of bullshit out here is, is high. And I'm going to learn more about it and, and know, like understand, like there's something around survival for, for cops out here or something. But um, it did that, just what you said, just took me to that night that what's going on out here and what, what, what we're taught in there, they do not translate. They, they don't translate very well at all, which is why, you know, training was the, the solution. I remember back then, right. We're going to train them differently around use of force, whatever crap. Um, but seeing it, once I was uh, part of the, the blue line or behind the then blue curtain or whatever the hell they call it, I could see like myself as a police officer before I saw myself as a black man. Um, and it, it took time for me to, to kind of like, yo, no, 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 no. I'm something else first, you know? And I recall one of my friends um, talking to me about Black Lives Matter and my thoughts on it. And at the time, I was like, you know, you know, the general police stance on it. I was like, oh, no, police stance. We have split second decisions. Like, you know, it's very violent out here. We got to get home to our families, like whatever. And I, I at that time never took into account the. The, the discount for black lives and what that meant. And um, now today I, I look back on myself back then and, and very, very sad. Like, I don't want to say disappointed. I, I just didn't like realize it. I was around so much rhetoric. Um, and it was a struggle. It was a struggle to, to, to get to the point where it was like, you're part of this club Right. And it's like they, they you're in the academy. And they're like, we have each other's back. We got each other's back. We got each other's back. But. And, and that's what your kind of environment you're in. And it, it goes so much from, you know, people who didn't have anything like me. It was the most money I was ever making, like actually like experience having some sort of power. And I get to do it with these guys that I like just came up in this in this this learning with this group with like this band of brothers, you know, stuff that I I last band of brothers I had was my football team. Like I don't have that stuff anymore. So to to come up with that and 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 gain that and gain that power and that status and like being so proud of what I what I, you know, becoming a police officer to to blend that with my identity of being a black man and and it it at the time was bigger than my identity as being of being a black man um so i guess that's all to say created this big fucking complexity and it took me time to get away from it to get away from that blue line shit and uh say no 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 something's wrong Something's wrong here. And it's not really about identity. It's about integrity. And there's a massive lack of it. And that first night on the job, I, I, I saw that. I saw that massive lack of integrity. And um, 
the other word that, that, that comes to mind too is accountability. And there was none then. So I now um, I can't see <laughs> I can't see me if I was a, a young black man these days want anything to do with the police trust in the police think they give a fuck about me um I, I can't see it and I reform is more than necessary at this point and until we get it you know if if police officers truly give a fuck about helping the communities that they work in um they need to realize that it is you know they 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 want to be held in the same regard as these these people who are without power without security safety without opportunities you know um they they want to be held in regard of uh, the same regard of the people they're supposed to be helping and i'm just like yo when i took my oath, I understood the meaning of the word integrity and that I had a higher level of responsibility to, or a heavier burden rather, to be of high integrity. And that's, that, that's what's missing, this understanding that, yo, I put, I put that blue thing on it is not my identity. I go to this job with a, a blue thing on. It's my uniform. It's my job. And I get to not be that a lot of times. And the people that are suffering right now uh, at the hands of police, the people that have suffered at the hands of police and, and lost lives at the hands of police, that's just their life. You know, they're they're they they don't get to take that off they don't get to exit the experience at any time and uh there's this uh that th- th- this big, big disconnect big disconnect uh between that that knowledge that wisdom and uh a lot of folks who are working on the streets as police officers and uh, we will we'll see change when that's understood um, yeah, I hope I hope we see change. I'm not sure. I'm watching right now uh, the uh, unfolding of the gubernatorial campaign, the governor's campaign here in the state of Illinois, uh, and the leading contender for the Republicans right now, fortified, uh, soon to be fortified by millions of dollars from some of the wealthiest uh, people in the state of Illinois, uh, is a black man uh, from Aurora who is uh, the mayor of Aurora. His name is Richard Irvin. He's a former police officer. And his first campaign shows uh, uh, rioters and flames coming out of buildings. And he intones, I know how to handle crime. I brought in the National Guard. So it's like, uh, <laughs> they got a black guy to give this message. And I don't know. I, Leroy, I hope things change in your lifetime, but I'm running out of time for, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and this guy is, so that's the message of the day. All right. So you, you were a police officer about a year. You said you got to move on for all these different reasons. You go to the world of wrestling. Let's just pause to think about this. Now, I don't know a lot about wrestling. I used to love wrestling when I was a kid. 
uh, way these are wrestlers that I follow way before you were even thought of, well, let alone conceived. Uh, so you don't know any of them. But modern day wrestling, in my mind, politically speaking, is sort of aligned with Donald Trump. Donald Trump learned pretty much everything uh, about his public persona from Vince McMahon. There's no doubt in my mind. R Donald Trump learned from wrestling. His hype, his trash talking, the way he appeals. He sets things into black and white and villains, uh, which he conquers. It's all straight out of a wrestling playbook. And so I'm thinking... Leroy, how do you find a place in this world of Trumpian? Where Donald Trump, by the way, I believe is in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. That that that's how much he's affiliated with wrestling. So, how do you find your place within that universe? Man, I that's a complex fucking question. I, uh, I I I definitely grappled with it. You know, once I, you know, I've probably three years in before I was just like. Yo, ain't Donald Trump in the fucking WWE Hall of Fame? That's, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. And I'm just like, isn't like Vince McMahon like this fucking staunch Republican? It's like, I also don't know how I feel about that. It's really, it's 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 tough. And, and I mean, I, and then I kind of related to them. Like, I think of all these fucking rich, these rich uh, fucking people who are owning sports teams and whatnot. And I'm like, all right, my participation in this is not that that different. And it's like, uh, I just like use them for what I need. And that's my, my fulfillment, my ability to be on my stage, uh, my ability to, uh, make money and, uh, build generational wealth this is kind of like how I kind of get through that part of it. But it is a very complex thing, you know? And I'm just like, uh, I think of, of people like that. Um, and like, they do not, they, they can exploit black lives, but they do not love black lives if they can support, um, you know, that kind of policy, that kind of man. Um, finding my place in the world, though, <laughs> is that ignoring the fact that Donald Trump is totally uh, bringing pro wrestling to real life. You know the other fucking thing about it? <laughs> like his fan base, his fucking fan base is like the worst like they, they all probably really, or a lot of them probably really enjoy professional wrestling, and they're like the worst type of fan, like the the this, the mm, trashiest type of fan. Um, but finding my place in it is definitely ignoring that part of it and kind of uh, bringing it back to self, <laughs> and knowing that while there is that type of fan, there are um, a, a, a million you know different types of fans and different types of people who who appreciate wrestling and. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of it is, is the kids. And I, I love the kids. And I think about the little black boys who do want to do what I want to do, what I wanted to do. And uh, telling them, like, don't you wait a second. Don't you wait a fucking second. As soon as you're 18, go and do it. Just do it. Um, you're going to get your life from it. And I've, and I've got my life from it. And then I think, you know, uh, big, big fan. I'm around special needs people. It's very, you know, very fulfilling and rewarding to, you know, let them, like come and be a part of this experience and uh, being an independent wrestling, you know, a lot of these families, I don't know if they ever will get to go to a WWE production, which is, you know, it's the big time, you know, but an independent wrestling show is 15, 20 bucks, you know? So thinking about it on, on that side of things, it's like, I, I can, I can get with a lot of the fandom um, for sure. And yeah, yeah. I guess there's a bunch of different types of fans and, in all sports of all sorts, right? Yeah, no, um, that's true. I yeah. when uh, uh, yeah, I didn't, 
I, I don't mean to say that absolutely every wrestling fan uh, is MAGA, uh, but there's probably some kind of correlation. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, let, I'll have a scholar uh, dig that one out. And uh, so, okay, so what was your persona as a wrestler? Uh, wrestlers have personas. What was yours? Uh, Roy Flash Gordon, and uh, I would say Roy Flash Gordon was like super athlete. I, I, he wasn't too too different from who I am now, and it probably seeps into my being in, in ways that are probably inappropriate at times. But um, just a high energy guy, definitely. Uh, I so in Spider Man comics, there's a Flash Thompson who's just a kind of like a think a stereotypical jackass kind of jock. And that was like kind of the idea <laughs> that I wanted to go for. A lot of people were like, oh, like the flash, the fast one. I'm like, nah, but I definitely used, you know, used some of that to kind of create a persona and like kind of, you know, brand my move set and like be the fast guy, that kind of thing, which I guess kind of aligned with, you know, my athleticism and uh, my speed and things along those lines as well. And, uh, he, I'd say almost 50-50 split time being a good guy or a bad guy based on where he was. Um, I, I'll say I, I really enjoyed and felt natural playing the bad guy and playing the good guy. It took some time and some growing into. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but I ended up, you know, spending a lot, probably probably slightly more time being a good guy. And, and that, I, I'd say both, you know, being a bad guy is a little bit easier I'd say. Um, and there's some, some nuance to doing it, doing it well, but really your job is the bad guys to make the, the good guy look really good. It is harder to be a good, good guy. If you don't have a good bad guy um, or a certain level of charisma, energy, and like appeal. And I definitely learned to do that. And it, I guess people always kind of gravitated towards me anyway. Um, it took a while for it to be natural. The, the line I've heard uh, from wrestlers is that pro wrestling uh, is fixed but not fake. In other words, uh, the outcome is set predetermined so the good guy wins, or maybe if necessary, maybe they need the good guy to lose this one so that you build the hype for the next one where he does win. Whatever, it's fixed, but it's not fake. Don't get it twisted. It's not fake. When we hit that mat, we hit it hard. It hurts. You got to know how to take a fall. You got to know how to get a chair hit over your head. You got to know how to hit, throw a chair over someone's head without killing them. You got to know how to get thrown out of the ring. You got to know throw somebody out of the ring. Don't fall for the fact. Don't say it's fake. Uh, so why don't you elaborate a little on that? Fix, not fake. Absolutely. Fix, not fake. Um, yeah, so we we uh, basically someone, whoever's in charge of the show is like, hey, Flash versus whoever, Flash up in 15 minutes. And that's basically it for the most part. Now, in like WWE standards, a lot of times they'll have things spelled out exactly as they want it to go. They're like, all right, we know you do this move, you're gonna do this move to that move to that move. And there's little sections in between where it's just like, you know, figure it out, work the crowd, you know, do it on the fly. Uh, so it's definitely a lot of that. And I'd say in my level of wrestling, independent wrestling, we probably plan 95% of the match, and there's other parts that are that we might do on the fly, but um, that's as fixed as it is. And the idea is in that fixedness of it, we are telling. Uh, a story and that story in our 15 minutes 
uh, is a story of a good guy versus a bad guy uh, to whatever outcome. And however that outcome contributes to maybe our overall story that may be taking place over a series of, you know, different shows over a few months, uh, or maybe even the how it contributes to the story of the night and the matches that are happening. And um, kind of always having in mind, you know, what, what are other wrestlers doing here tonight? How do we not take away from the story they're trying to tell? How do we not do too much? How do we play our place on the card? And uh, then within that match, going good guy to bad guy, just trying to keep the audience uh, on a roller coaster of sorts. Uh, there's stuff that you can expect to happen. Good guy's going to look good. Bad guy's going to do some shitty stuff to kind of get the upper hand, put the, bad, the good guy in a bad place, and we all are there for the comeback of the good guy. And, um, you know, seeing that kind of be like, good guy's up, bad guy's up, and above them, good guy come back, they're even, where's this thing going to finish? Um, and, you know, a lot of wrestlers may see, or a lot of fans may see that framework in a match and uh, kind of, you know, expect what that framework's going to be. But they're looking, you know, here's where the creativity comes into it. Like, here's where the uh, extra athleticism comes to it. When is the big moves going to come? If they're on the edge of the seat because they know I do this certain move, like, oh, when's he going to do that thing? Is he going to do that thing? Oh, no, he tried to do that thing. The bad guy stopped it. Uh, are we going to get to see him do that move tonight? You know, is he even going to win this match tonight? You know, um, so really big time just trying to tell a story that isn't too cliche, um, has them be involved in it. And they're involved in it because we're taking them on the ride and you want to try to keep them guessing and uh, try to get to a, a, an outcome that they're not going to expect. You, I can't remember if you said this. Were you ever the bad guy? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I was a bad guy. I did. I used to. So I also did two on two with my uh, one of my really good friends named Tony, and uh, we were a superiority complex uh, as a bad guy team, and uh, basically <laughs> two of the same guys. And he was like the bigger, stronger dude. I was the, the smaller, faster dude, and uh, just like uh, we had some some magical moments, some some just choruses of booze and some really fun matches with uh, a lot of good teams. And just, it, when you, when you make it more than two, one-on-one, it can get nuts. <laughs> and we so had a did lot you of ever taunt the crowd as the bad guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you would be taunt. Uh, I can't imagine that. If I went to a wrestling <laughs> match and I saw, wait a minute, that's Leroy. <laughs> you would be taunting the crowd. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. As a good yeah. guy, you you hype them up. As a bad guy, you try to put them down. You put the good guy down. You're mad at the world. <laughs> and there's a lot of different ways to do it. And you get to, you know, show the darker sides of your personality and just, you know, have a good time with it. It's funny. I have I have had that exact experience. I was a good guy, but uh, I was getting beat down by a bad guy. And it was at this taco fest that happens in Wrigleyville. I don't know if you've ever been. Uh, but it happens towards the end of summer in Wrigleyville. So it was an outdoor show. And I'm like on the ground, just like writhing in pain. And I look over and it's my like high school geometry teacher. He's like, hi, Leroy. And I'm like, don't you call me Leroy. Dude. You got to call me Roy. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> uh, Leroy, you uh, missed that test a couple of years ago. Um, so uh, well, did you ever have walk away from a wrestling match really hurting with physical pain? Because yes. like you hit a bad fall. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So again, I guess that's the other part of uh, of fix not fake. Um, we, you know, most of what we do is very real. 
I always say the fakest thing we do is punch each other. Like, you know, if you punch someone, hand's going to hurt. You might knock them out. Like, we're not trying to do that. But everything else, we're making real contact. Um, some of the more impactful stuff, like if we kick someone, like you got to be skillful enough to pull the kick or like hit it in a place that not, you're not going to damage someone or knock them out. Um, you know, it will probably hurt, but to make it make a good kick and make a kick that looks real and sounds good, it hurts. Uh, but you you know you land in it like across the chest, maybe across the flat part of the back, you know, in the pocket of the neck, you know where. It's like, okay, I felt that, but I'm fine, you know, and you, you really learn to make it look big, make it look good, make it have good sound. Um, i trying to think of times I was hurt. Once I was, a garbage can hit me and there was glass in it, some, just a reckless person, there was glass in it, it broke. I was definitely bleeding a decent amount after like falling on the ground. Um, there's been times like wind blown out of me big time. I think the worst that happened is I pulled a, my glute muscle during a match um, <laughs> a cage match. And it's funny, the cage had nothing to do with it. I just, I pulled my glute muscle in and I was, I, I, I realized it happened early into the match and had to finish through it. And adrenaline, you know, got me through, but I was out for probably six weeks after that. It just, you know, that's one of the worst things to, to pull. You, you can't do anything or it's going to stay hurt. So I was out for six weeks after that. I believe that's the worst for me. Oh, wait, no, that's not the worst for me. I did get concussed. I did get a concussion. Uh, in Canada on the first night of a maybe 10 day stint and uh, don't do this, but I I kept wrestling, but I I had someone who was really, 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 really good to wrestle with um, and did things that would not put myself at risk. So I was not maybe my most entertaining during this time, uh, but the concussion was pretty bad. I remember someone landed on me weird and being in back like i was in the ring someone landed on me weird and then i was in the back like that's that's how that occurred to me and then after the fact that the memories like kind of came back but it was rough that that was that's probably the scarier one <laughs> you know the funniest bit about what you just recollected is your advice to me don't do this like are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't have to tell me don't do that like you can do the wrestling man okay but don't do the uh, Wrestling with a concussion. Okay, Leroy, I'll take that down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, you know, this is a delight listening to you because it. I having memories, flashbacks of you as a little kid, and my memory of you. And correct me if my memory is wrong. Is if like a very what I would call bookish kid. Like you were always. I mean, you were really good in school, and you did your homework, and you you didn't do sports. Uh, you looked at the like, guys that were in the gym with me or in the field with me, and you, you, like I said, you wanted to be part of them. But I don't recall you doing any sports until you came in. I think when you were in sixth grade when you joined our basketball team or our football team. I can't remember which one. And that was your first time doing sports. I remember, like, you were really a rookie compared to all the other kids. And I think all those sixth graders from your class – uh, and uh, the kids, the fifth graders who were, I kind of put them in your group too from the down class, just all the kids, you would be the least likely one. You know what I mean? That I would imagine would have a career in wrestling or yeah. football. <laughs> you know, so how do you go? Do you ever think about that? Like going oh, from yeah. the bookish kid to the br books yeah. to brawn? You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of transition. 
I think um, I always think I make fun of myself over this. I think sixth grade, we had flag football. I remember being very long and awkward. I, 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 I always say, and I, I tell this to big, long, goofy kids. I'm just like, oh, like your body. <laughs> I joke that I've been this height since like sixth grade or something. It's probably been a little bit less, but I don't think I'm that off. I don't think I'm that off. I'm just like, I, I did did not feel athletic back in those days. Um, like when I first started, I was just like, I'm just here, just, just happy to be here, guys. Like that's how I felt. And then I remember one day, maybe like seventh grade, like I, I, I could not run well. I could not catch. I could not throw. And then I feel like one day in seventh grade, I went to football practice, woke up, and I could just do it all. Like that's that's how that transition felt, you know? And it was like from goofy to like super fucking athletic um just all of a sudden and i started honing in on it you know i could catch i could run i could throw ended up you know doing the track thing it turned out to be pretty fast and you know that really sparked me becoming the athlete i was in high school and and by then was obsessed you know absolutely obsessed and, and seeing probably a lot of my value in that and like my ability to kind of take control of what I didn't have control of before and having no interest in, in books and, uh, you know, being a good student, uh, except the guy wanted to go to Peyton. So I had to be a decent student. I do remember that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It, it really did feel like an overnight thing. And I joke about it a lot and that is kind of an opening of possibilities for me that, that really, change stuff and I was like oh like I can use these skills and abilities to do something like really cool and that's what I wanted to do (laughs) using those skills and abilities to do something really cool I loved wrestling then I never thought it was something I would do never in a million years thought it was something I would do well I uh, I, uh, 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 looking back it's pretty obvious to me it was the uh, outstanding coaching you received in in grammar school like that here (laughs) And the steroids we were feeding you. We were not feeding him steroids, ladies and gentlemen. That was a joke, okay? Nobody fed him steroids. Just a few, okay? For the before the big game. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's close it down by talking about your current uh, situation in life. Uh, you've left wrestling probably, and it's about time. You don't want to really hurt. You don't need another concussion. Uh, but I've been watching your stuff on. Um, uh, Spotify and you're you have like this whole range of uh, of like physical and mental uh, approach to life that I find uh, very helpful uh, so talk a little bit about that yeah man um, it kind of goes a little just a little more into wrestling that decision that I made about like you know who who gets to live my life you know, those people who are judging and, and not doing shit with it. I, I honestly, like you say, I was the last person you would have thought. And I think, I, I don't think many have gone further than I have, like athletically and pushing myself and any of that stuff. And it, it's a, it's a fine, it's an interesting reflection. Like, I, I don't think most of the folks in my class, athletically or not, anyone even around my class, athlete or not has, has kind of gone as far as I have with these kind of physical endeavors. Um, and, and high school was a, a place where it's like, Oh, you watch wrestling, you know, that's fake, right? You want to be a wrestler. That's really dumb. Um, and kind of that it's crazy how like deep that was kind of 
in me. So when I made the decision to say, yo, I live my life and I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks, uh, that opened up like just an, an entirely new world for me in terms of personal development, uh, in terms of the strength of my own mind and willpower to do something, uh, in terms of kind of making my life exactly how I want it to be instead of how anybody else had ever told me it could be. And, and that, man, living from that space started just a, a deluge of like amazing people coming into my life. And, um, this, this journey of personal development, I remember, you know, one, one woman I dated in particular, it's out of nowhere. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what you like want with me. I'm just this fucking kid, but she like definitely saw this part of me that I hadn't seen yet. It's just this, this, this ability to, to do something that people are afraid to do. And that's, and that's really do what they want to do against society standards, you know, against their families, wishes for them and against, you know, what, what they, they themselves believe they can do to even question that. Uh, and my pursuit of professional wrestling, when I say it gave me my life, it is in the form of that, uh, is me saying I want to do something and then just going out and do it. I want to do something very unreasonable to most people and just going out and doing that. And, you know, I didn't see, I, I was just in the moment. I'm just like, I'm going to go be a professional wrestler and make it to WWE and make a lot of money and travel the world. Like that was it. And it didn't go that way, but it went exactly how it should go. And I'm, I've landed in this place where I know exactly what I want to do <laughs> like for the rest of my life. And I have this story that says like, yo, here's how it was for me. I know you're in that same place. Or if you are in that same place and you want to change some shit, like, let me tell you how, like, that's, that's where I am now. And it's, um, it's been a lot of personal work to get there, like group personal work, traveling, psychedelics, men's groups, uh, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of sharing. And, and right now I'm just like, yo, I want to help people find what I found. And that's my power. And that's my absolute knowing that I can do exactly what I want to do. That's my ability to kind of get over my stuff, you know, heal myself emotionally, mindset wise, spiritually, heal my family. You know, hopefully give them the ability, give the kids in my family, my little nieces, give them the ability to to not even have to like, no, I, I, I cannot deal. I can't I cannot. They don't won't even have to make the decision I made in the way I did because they would just know naturally, yo, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You know, who cares what those little kids say? Their parents suck probably. You know, <laughs> you know, that that's what that's that's the ability I want to give to other people. And I want to to help people find that power within themselves. So uh, I'm calling it mindset coaching, like action mindset coaching uh, and uh, giving it, uh, you know, really for people. And I, I really I, I obviously identify with millennials as I am one. And really, it's for anyone. But I guess my specialty would be millennials because I really see. Uh, that we're like in this weird place in the generations where we've seen it go like video games go from these little like goofy blocks that don't really look like whatever to them looking like us, like real life. Like we've seen this evolution of technology and through that evolution of technology, the, the evolution of the amount of information that we've had 
like available to us, like uh, so much wisdom passed down um, so quickly. You know, we can see the errors of the last generations and we can see like where the, the next generations are going. And it's just like, yo, I think, uh, I think we're all called. There's a lot of us, you know, maybe more than any one generation has had yet, just called to serve and called to, you know, help the world be better, help people have better lives. Um, and I think just the awareness that, yo, this path that we're on is kind of bullshit. <laughs> you know, this, this, these expectations we're supposed to be following is kind of bullshit. And uh, I, I see a lot of people questioning it. I see, I, I questioned it. You know, I see a lot of my friends question it. I just see a need for people to change their mindsets and, or gain the confidence to be able to go and do exactly what it is they want to do with their, their talents and their abilities uh, to bring that change to the world and, and help people. So I, I'm passionate about that. I, I light up over it. Uh, I just finished with uh, my first client and uh, just, oh, just at the end, just seeing what he got, seeing that he's a different person, seeing that he has a level of confidence uh, in his abilities, uh, a level of trust in himself that he didn't have before. Um, just does a lot for me. And I, I fully expect to do that for a lot more people. And that's what I'm kind of working on now is, is what I, you know, am it's like here and I'm here. Roy Flash Gordon is now this. He was a wrestler, but now he's like one of these guys. So, yeah. So, so if people want to get in touch with you or uh, find you, uh, how do they do that? Absolutely. Uh, at Roy Flash Gordon on Instagram is like where I really, you know, pump out a lot of content. I have a podcast called Main Event Mindset. I'm in between my second and third season now. And uh, I haven't decided when I'll debut it yet, but Instagram is uh, where, you know, you kind of keep up, you get to keep up with all that news. And I do probably maybe five, six posts a week on Instagram and just kind of try to dive deep in a, a mindset issue uh, in most of those. All right. Uh, Roy Flash Gordon on Instagram. All right. Uh, Leroy uh, or Roy Flash, whatever uh, I'm supposed to call you these you, days. You can call me Leroy. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've known you since, like I said, you were like second grade or whatever. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show. It's a blast talking to you, blast catching up, and uh, maybe we'll do a workout together sometime. I'm still, I'm an old man, but I, I walk. And in fact, I, uh, a mutual friend, uh, I was at the Bulls game with a shout out to uh, Uncle Ron, uh, and, uh, and we're and he's really he's my age, but he's much more fit than I am, Leroy. And he was telling me about all the workouts he does. Uh, and the running he does. And I'm like, you know, maybe it's not enough to just do walks and stretches. Maybe I should go back to uh, jogging. You know what I'm saying? So this could be the year where I, uh, when the snow melts, I go back to jogging and uh, we'll do a big 5K or something, a reunion or something like that. That may be a lot of fun. I will, I will be there. I will be there. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's, are you do, do you jog? Uh, I, so at Orange Theory, we do, we do, we do treadmills, rowers and, uh, weights. So I, I get a decent amount of, uh, running in and I, I'm still a, a fairly strong runner as you okay. mentioned before. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> well, you were more like that. I, I don't recall seeing you run past, uh, uh, a half a mile. I'm not sure if we can get you to a 5k, <laughs> uh, but, uh, maybe we'll, uh, talk you into it, get a big reunion. Uh, it's a blast talking to you, Leroy Gordon. Best of luck to you. And, um, uh, hope to bring you back to the show. We'll talk some political issues and whatever, all right? 
Well, hell yeah, man. Down for it. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. All right. That's great. Leroy Gordon. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Take care.